here we are again, Tyler, for another episode of Classic Vinyl Podcast. A beautiful episode. A like, significant. Yeah. Most of them are significant, though, aren't they? Um, yeah. To but, us. To yeah, us. that's true. But this one is hitting its 60th birthday. Correct. It's the 60th anniversary of this mm-hmm. release from the Beatles. And, of course, this is their second UK album that we're going to review today with mm-hmm. the Beatles. It's kind of your, what, second roundabout of listening to this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a couple of extras, I must add, because we've got a couple of singles that we're tagging on to this, too. Well, as you know, and maybe our listeners do know, the Beatles are by far my favorite group of all time. And so we're going to go through and review all the Beatles studio albums. And this would be the second one we've done. And we're doing this because of the 60th anniversary. And, of course, it's with the Beatles. Let me give a little history on the Beatles, if you don't know. A uh, little rock band formed in Liverpool, England in 1960, and many people, including myself, consider them the most influential band of all time. They had 20 number one hits in the U.S., 27 total in the U.S. and the U.K. combined. And the funny thing is, and we were talking about this before, mm-hmm. they would have had probably more number one hits if it wasn't for some of their other songs keeping their other songs out of that place. Well, when you look at the uh, the way things were back then, this was like cutting edge, new rock and roll. This was the sort of stuff that people were just eating it up. And so it was a gold mine and they were just trying to mine as much out of it as they could, as fast as they could. They didn't really figure out until later on, even towards probably what the seventies that there is some economics to this, that you can milk the success for a little bit and sell more records that way. Well, and that became what the recording process is, it, you know, we got into eight track recording and, and mm-hmm. it became more of a studio thing. You know, at this time they were going in and playing these things live, you know, they cut a lot of tracks, but I mean, this is the second album they released in 1963 and they were riding the wave, right? Yeah, for sure. And so they were releasing a lot of music to date, sold 183 million albums of all time. They're the greatest selling band or musical artist anywhere. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr formed the Beatles. Uh, you know, originally John Lennon formed the Quarrymen. Paul McCartney joined them as rhythm guitar, and George Harrison soon joined after. Uh, they were called Johnny and the Moondogs for a little while with <laughs> just three guitarists. And, of course, once they changed to the Beatles, the Beatles spelled B-E-A-T is kind of a play on the word yeah. like Buddy Holly and the Crickets. You know, it's a bug, mm-hmm. but beat being in the music. Yeah, uh, Brian Epstein became their manager and what really led him into the suits and the haircuts and the boots and kind of mm-hmm. led him into that early Beatlemania stage, you know. They did cut their teeth as a band in Hamburg and the Cavern Club in Liverpool. You know, the funny thing about them, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit later, is up until Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the albums released in the U.S. were completely different than the albums released in the U.K., which is kind of strange. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people that lived through it, which I did not in the 60s, I'm not used to the U.S. albums because I was used to the 1987 CD releases that yeah. when they re-released them all as the British albums. I Want to Hold Your Hand, first number one hit here in the States in 1963. It was number one by mid-January of 64. It's really what started Beatlemania. Of course, February 7th, 1964, you know, 3,000 fans waiting for them as they arrived, you know, and that's really what kicked it all off here. Ed Sullivan Show, 73 million viewers. That was one-third of the U.S. population watched the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we didn't have as many stations at that time, you know, three or four, but... 
That's a. I don't think you get that anywhere anymore. No, uh, there's not even that many people watching the Super Bowl. I'll bet you that if we look, were to look at it, fewer people watch 9-11 happen. Than yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of people that uh, tuned in to Ed Sullivan. The Beatles have released several movies. Some have been hits, some have been flops, and even the flops have kind of been cult classics now as we go back to them, you know. Their last concert ever at Candlestick Park in San Francisco on August 29th of 1966, and that's really when they focused on, instead of touring, they were going to focus on building their music in the studio, and they really, from Sgt. Pepper on, made a focus on this can only be created in the studio, and we'll send the album out on tour for us. And it was quite the change because they were riding high and they could have kept touring. They could have kept releasing the little pop records and doing what they were doing, but it was a pretty big change for them. So the studio years, you know, consist of, like I said, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Magical Mystery Tour, the White Album, Let It Be, Abbey Road. One of the key things to their success was their producer, George Martin. A lot of people talk about who the fifth Beatle is, and a lot of people have different views on that. I consider it George Martin, without a doubt. Now, they did, we were talking about the amount of music they released, 13 studio albums in seven years. Very rarely do any band nowadays, I mean, maybe two albums in seven years, possibly, mm-hmm. but the amount of albums are released, and that's just albums, not yeah. including all their released singles that didn't even hit albums, so pretty crazy. Lennon and McCartney are considered probably the best writing duo of all time. Without a doubt. Yeah, and I mean, Harrison isn't too bad himself either. Going into the Beatles, Paul McCartney's released 26 studio albums, seven with Wings, three with The Firemen, 50 million in album sales, just solo. John Lennon, 23 million in album sales, 11 studio albums, and of course he was killed in December of 1980. George Harrison has released 12 studio albums, 10 million sales, and died on November 29th, 2001 at the age of 58. Ringo Starr is obviously still with us. He's released 20 studio albums and has had 2 million album sales as a solo artist. All the Beatles, they're all in the Hall of Fame as the Beatles, of course, and in the Hall of Fame as solo artists. So we're going to do something a little different tonight because of the way the Beatles did. We normally get right to the album, but what we did for this is the Beatles did release two singles off this album, and that's kind of how they were doing it. Back in the early years, they'd release a couple singles to lead into the album, but they would not include them on the album. And of course, I wanted to include them here because the one is really the song that led to Beatlemania, especially here in the United States. And that's I Want to Hold Your Hand. It's a Lennon and McCartney composition. It's sang by both Lennon and McCartney. And it was kind of funny thing is with the Beatles, it was the very first song they ever recorded on a four track recorder. It reached number one in the UK, US, and a ton of other countries. It was the first number one single for the Beatles in the US, and it was basically the song that not only started Beatlemania, but started the whole British invasion. So it was released in the UK with This Boy as the B-side, and that's how we'll be reviewing it as I Want to Hold Your Hand with This Boy. But in the US, it was released with I Saw Her Standing There as the B-side. And the single itself has sold over 12 million copies worldwide, which is astounding. That's pretty crazy. Now, this was released in the U.S. for the first time on the album Meet the Beatles, Mm -hmm. and Rolling Stone ranks this as high as number 16 of their top 500 songs of all time. And, you know, you got to look at this in a little bit different because it's a not only is it a great song and you have to put yourself in the time period, but it's also an influential song. It's really what kicked everything off for him. What are your thoughts on this song? 
This song was an excellent song. This is one of my favorite Beatles songs because it's got such a classic uh, lovey-dovey love song feel to it. This is just so sweet, so innocent and pure. No wonder this is what's the what started it all. But it rocks, too. You know? Absolutely. It's an excellent... Uh, I, what surprised me most about this song is how much twang there is in the guitar. Almost country-like twang. But boy, it's it's such a a nice, smooth rock and roll uh, song. It, it's beautiful. Well, and that's kind of what made the Beatles. They had so many influences from girl groups to Motown to mm-hmm. country western music to straight rock and roll, and they really put all of it to play. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed was they're very heavy on the cymbals in this song too. The the brass is just you know getting rattled like crazy by Ringo. That must have been a sound of the time a little bit because that's one note I have on a lot of the songs is mm-hmm. that the, they're very tinny or cymbally sounding in it. You see that from the Stones and a lot of the other bands at the time. It's just must have been kind of the thing and mm-hmm. a little bit of the mixing as well, considering that you didn't have all the tracks to back it up a lot of times. When it comes to the vocals, um, let's see, we were talking earlier uh, off the air about uh, the the line, I I can't hide. It really does sound like he's saying, I get high. Which, which is what Bob Dylan thought it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, listening to it, either line fits. So I, I'm okay with it either way. Well, that's what's great about music, because at the time, how would you know? You didn't have the internet to search it up. Hey, what are the lyrics to this or that song? So you could make it whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah, and it really sounds like he's saying, I get high. He needs to enunciate better if he's saying, I can't hide. There's <laughs> there's not a hard T on can't and there's not a hard d on hide so what are your thoughts about it well one of the most recognizable intros ever one of the most recognizable songs i mean i can't help but love this song i've heard it a lot knowing it's really what kicked them off here in the states and i mean it was also a smash hit in england too so it's not Mm -hmm. like only the states but it's really what got everybody going it's really what brought them here it's really what brought beatlemania to us and brought the british invasion it's got an amazing bass line i like the clapping in the song and the one thing that's a going theme for the whole beatles career is the amazing harmonies it's just got amazing harmonies for such an early song in the early 60s it really rocks it moves it's it's just got a good beat to it. And it, to me, it's something that the grandmas could like all the way down to the kids Absolutely. right and i think that's what why it was such a big hit with everyone. It's a very special song. Yeah, it is. So that moves us to the B-side as it was released in the UK, This Boy. Now, this one is another Lennon-McCartney song, and this one couldn't be any more different from I Want to Hold Your Hand. For sure. And it's it's a harmonized, a full harmonized song on this. It's sang by John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison. And it's really Lennon's attempt at a three-part harmony Kind of like a Smokey Robinson song. Smokey Robinson was a big influence. He he was. He was definitely one of the big influences, especially to Lennon. It was the B-side of I Want to Hold Your Hand. This was released in the U.S. on Meet the Beatles album. It was also performed on their first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. It reached number 53 in the U.S. as the B-side, but number one in Canada for some reason. But what are your thoughts on this boy? This is a, another sweet little song that I really enjoyed, but it's a lot slower. And like you said, very different compared to the other side of the uh, the record. What a, a melancholy little song about a, a, a boy who's been 
jilted his girl's uh, run off with that boy, and this boy wants her back. <laughs> Real slow, smooth song, pretty song. I, th- I prefer the other side of the album better, though. Or the other side of the single, I should say. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, to me, this is what's so special about the Beatles, is even this early, they weren't going to get caught in a trap of playing one kind of song, you know? And and as you go later into the Beatles, like I was saying, when they quit touring, they could have kept writing that. You know, you see a lot of bands doing that. They have a formula, they keep going. The Beatles were so artistic that they took the chance to change their image, to change their sound, to change everything they did, to not tour anymore, and try something completely new and it really worked right and yeah propelled them to the next level and i think this is shown early here is they had the gumption to play something different than maybe some other bands wouldn't i i love the guitar in this song and the harmonies are beautiful in it yeah and john lennon's vocal especially when he starts into the chorus oh and this boy you know when he goes into that i love his vocal in that and he plays an amazing triplet on the guitar on this Mm -hmm. just kind of like he does in all my loving. I love the way he plays those triplets in the guitar. I think it's a beautiful song and I like how it plays off of, I want to hold your hand from fast to slow. And I think that's one good thing about the Beatles. Yeah, for sure. This is a, like, I would love to have this single, the single album that has uh, one, one track on each side, just because you can go from, you know, dancing uh, super fast and uh, hip hop on the one side to this, uh, Really slow, smooth song on the other. Yeah, it certainly shows their versatility. Yeah, these guys are, you can tell that these guys are molded or forged in a club scene. Yeah, so do you want to get to the album review now? Let's do it. And now it's time for the album review. Okay, Tyler, so today we're going to do the Beatles' second studio album with the Beatles. Of course, the second UK studio album as they were meant to be. It was released on November 22nd of 1963 by Parlophone Records, and of course, it's the 60th anniversary this year of this release. It's recorded at EMI Studios in London, which is actually now known as Abbey Road Studios, produced by George Martin. This was the first Beatles album to be recorded on a four-track recorder. Of course, it's only the second Beatles album, but it was the first one they used a four-track recorder. This album reached number one in the UK, replacing their previous album, Please Please Me, which uh, gave the Beatles the top album for 51 weeks in a row which is a record in the UK. That's kind of what I was talking about. Who knows how many, you know, if they would have released this a little bit longer, how long would have please, please me been at number one spot. It's hard to say, you know, it would be fascinating to find out though, if we could turn back time. So it's the Beatles second album in a row to sell over a million copies in the UK. In the U S the tracks on this album were split between meet the Beatles and the Beatles second album, which is about the dumbest name for an album I've ever heard of, but it is what it is, (laughs) but we'll, we'll kind of go through that on the track to track. I'll tell you what album the songs were on. Uh, The album was not released in the U S until 1987 on CD, this British version of it. And that's kind of the version I'm Mm -hmm. most familiar with because that's what I grew up with. Over 5 million albums have been sold worldwide of with the Beatles Rolling Stone ranks this album at 420 out of 500. I don't know if that's worth anything, but it's a little tidbit. So the cover's kind of interesting. We're looking at it hanging on the wall there. Mm-hmm. It's a black and white picture of the band. They've kind of got a half shadow on their face. you got John, George, and Paul on the top, and Ringo's all by himself down on the bottom right. And I guess it's because he's sitting at his uh, drum set. He must be. Last one to join the band. I don't know. And, and then there's a white band that uh, goes across the top of the album 
with uh, black lettering uh, writing out there with the Beatles. Yeah, it's kind of a different look to it. Uh, it was a picture taken by Robert Freeman, and it's definitely a departure from their first record that just kind of has a picture of them there at the studios. So kind of an interesting thing. Do you want to get to side one? Let's do it. Side one. Okay, so with the Beatles, side one opens with It Won't Be Long. This is a Lennon-McCartney composition, but it was primarily written by John Lennon. It is sang by John Lennon. This was released on Meet the Beatles in the U.S. It uh, kind of features the famous yeah. You know, you've mm-hmm. got a lot of their songs that have yeah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But it does feature that kind of like She Loves You, and it's Paul singing that in mm-hmm. this. What are your thoughts on It Won't Be Long? You know, I really like that it's got this hard uh, opening with the vocals. Like, uh, they just jump right into it. We're off to the races. You know, they they come right out of the gates. And uh, this is a nice little love song. It's, uh, you know, just pining for the time where you get where this guy gets to go and be with the one that uh, he's going to belong to. The line is, it won't be long till I belong to you, is the second half of that. And it's a real sweet song. It seems optimistic. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. One thing about the Beatles uh, that you'll hear throughout this entire album is how well they play together. They are just rocking together so nicely, and everybody's a master at their at their instrument. What are your thoughts on this song? I like it. I like the way it kicks right into the lyric. Um, I think the guitar licks are good in this. They really stick out. It's got a really decent bass line, which you're going to hear me say about every song. I think mm-hmm. Paul McCartney is an amazing bass player, and I think he's... If well, someone he, had to play the bass. They did. And I think, I don't know if he's underrated, but the best bass players of all time are brought up. He's usually not in that conversation, which I think is kind of sad. Yeah, Yeah. because he's an amazing bass player. Sure. And then along with his many voices and his amazing writing ability and and his longevity on top of it, you know? Yeah. Like I said earlier, the drums are a little tinny in this, and I don't know if that's due to the mixing or just the studio or what. I wish they were mixed a little to the front now of course we listened to the mono version tonight and so the guitar and everything's pretty punchy the bass is punchy and i i do like the first few albums especially in mono more than i do stereo mm-hmm. but it does give you a little bit different just kind of the fake panning on the stereo that's kind of yeah. tough to take but that's why i like the the mono it's a great early Beatles song there isn't too many early Beatles songs i don't like but I get in my moods, you know, mid Beatles, <laughs> late Beatles, early Beatles. It's a good song. Good way to start the album. So that brings us to the next song, All I've Got to Do. It's another Lennon-McCartney composition, primarily written by Lennon again, sang by John Lennon again. And this one was also released on Meet the Beatles in the U.S. John Lennon was reportedly inspired by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles song, You Can Depend on Me, which it does sound very similar to that in a little little bit different but very i can see the similarities after research and reading that and one thing about the song the beatles never did perform this song live on stage what are your thoughts on all i've got to do um this is another great power trio classic uh this has that really classic 60s um or early 60s beatles sound that real what, what is the word that i'm looking for because it, it's just real sweet and innocent rock and roll, right? They haven't gotten into the whole experimenting with the wall of sounds yet, but this is just a a nice song. And I really like the humming outro at the end. 
I thought that uh, Lennon was excellent there. What did you think about this song? Once again, I think the, probably the thing that stands out in this song better than anything is the bass line. I do like the equi natural sounding guitar licks. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of compression. There's not a lot. There's no effects or anything on the guitar. And I really like that sound. Harmonies again in this are wonderful. Lennon, this is an amazing vocal. I love listening to Lennon's early vocals because you kind of get that haunting sound from his voice that you get in later years. And he's an excellent vocalist. He really is. And sure is. And to me, these these songs, especially on this album, they're just something endearing, kind of touching on what you said about the early 60s Beatles. It's just kind of a thing of its own. You know, I don't always visit the early Beatles stuff, but when I do, it's just really nice to hear because it's a different mood and this mm-hmm. This falls right in that rhythm. Yeah, it's more raw and pure compared to their later stuff that's a lot more intricate. Well, if you hear a lot of their stuff off their BBC albums, Live at the BBC, a lot of these are straight off of it, just polished a little more for the studio. But you can tell a lot of these, even though this one they never played live, but a lot of these songs do sound live in a a way. So that moves us to what's probably the most popular or most well-known song on this album, third track all my loving it's another lennon mccartney composition mainly written by paul mccartney it is sang by paul mccartney the first song he sings on this album it was not released as a single in the u.s or the uk but it received a ton of radio airplay number one single in canada and the canada import in the u.s did reach number 45 which is really strange you know i guess people wanted it that bad (laughs) and at the time i mean that's pretty cool (laughs) you had to either get the album or the single and that's the way it was Mm -hmm. this one was also released on meet the beatles in the u.s and paul mccartney has stated multiple times that this is the first song that he wrote the lyrics to before he wrote the music he would generally write the music and then write lyrics to go along with the song but this one was opposite this song was a fixture of the band's live set from the Mm -hmm. time they released it going forward i mean it became something to play it all the time and it was the opening song on Ed Sullivan in February of 64 when those 70 plus million people saw him. What are your thoughts on All My Lovin'? This is a, a really nice song that's a, a personal vow of fidelity is what I wrote down. This uh, this guy is saying he's giving all of his loving mm-hmm. to her. He's saving all of it for her. He's not going to, even, even though he's going away, he's going to be true. He promises this. This uh, also has... A really awesome guitar strum in it. It's it's super fast. Sounds like a banjo. And uh, you and I were talking about that. Yeah. How how difficult that is to play. That is the triplets Lennon is playing. And he plays them absolutely amazing in this. It's my first note on this. And I underlined it because that's my favorite part of this song. I love the way Lennon plays those. Yeah, for sure. This is a, this song is something that's, what is it? This song is something special something different because of all of that and there's all these different elements that piece together to make this just a marvelous work of art and i really enjoyed this song what what were your thoughts well like i stated the triplets make this song completely but it's got an amazing vocal by mccartney the bass is good on it again i think the the drums actually kind of shine in this one it's got a pretty decent solo by george in it and the harmonies again are once again amazing in this This is kind of a quintessential early Beatles song. If you were to put together Mm -hmm. a few songs, this should be one of them that should be included on it. Not only because it's an amazing song, it's recorded well, the music in it is done really well, 
but because of its importance of being the opening song on Ed Sullivan, you know, the first time the American audience seen and heard them, to me, it's special all the way around. It's an amazing song. So that moves us on to the next song, Don't Bother Me. Now, this is a song written and sang by George Harrison, and this is actually Harrison's first released original song. It was also released on Meet the Beatles album in the U.S., and it was basically written by George while he was sick in a hotel as a plea for privacy. What are your thoughts on this one? It's kind of a different kind of sound to it. This isn't a song that you're going to do the twist to. This is more of a jamming song. I gotta say, he he really makes his debut on this album extremely well. I I, th- I like this song, and I think that it's got a bit of more of a progressive sound than the rest of the the songs on this album. This sounds like something more later '60s rock and roll. Beautiful. What did you think about this one? Well, famously, George Harrison doesn't look too fondly on this song. That's a shame. Uh, um, I I thought the mix was a little muddy, but it is different. The guitar and bass are good in it. But the drumming is very, very tinny in this one. Mm -hmm. This is probably the song I liked least as far as the drumming was mixed in it. And the vocals, even though they're good, they have a lot of echo on them, which I don't know if that's the way they were meant to be or what. It's got a really good short guitar solo that was very reminiscent of Chuck Berry, which I'm sure... You know, George was very fond of at the time, as all the Beatles were. And I think it's a good first release for George. And that's kind of what's important about the Beatles is you got all these other groups that have leading men, you know. We're to song four on this, and we've already heard three different lead singers. Mm -hmm. Harmonies from all of them. And by the time the album's over, we'll hear all four boys Mm -hmm. sing. So (laughs) that moves us to the next song, Little Child, another Lennon-McCartney composition. It's written by John and Paul specifically was supposed to be written for Ringo Starr to sing, but for some reason that didn't end up happening. Uh, The lead vocal was sang by John Lennon and Paul McCartney together. Uh, This is another song they never played live. This song was released on the Beatles' second album in the U.S., and that's the title of the album, Beatles' second album, which was, (laughs) funny enough, their second album in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's the shortest song on the album, a minute 45 basically mm-hmm. and that's kind of what's interesting about this album and Lennon and McCartney both stated it is they were trying to make every song a single and that's why pretty much every song is between two and three minutes here you know you don't have any long epic songs on this album they're all really short <laughs> yeah. what are your thoughts on Little Child? This is surprising to find out that they wrote this specifically for Ringo Starr you know maybe it was written about Ringo <laughs> this isn't uh this doesn't really showcase the drums either, which Ringo's you know famous for playing. I, I'm I'm really taken back by this whole uh, written for Ringo because he didn't seem to have much to do with it. But then again, there's the theme of it, uh, the little child, uh, where he says, "Baby, take a chance with me." I think a lot of times, I mean, maybe they just wrote it not not because it had anything to do with Ringo, but just to give him a song on the album. And mm-hmm. they decided, you know, well, we found another one that's a little better for him. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I don't know if the theme of the song or what the song was about had anything to do with Ringo at all. I just think it, initially they thought, oh, this might be a good one for Ringo to sing, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah, it does feature the harmonica, which mm-hmm. um, I would venture a guess to say that it's John Lennon. It is because it sounds like Lennon playing with harmonica, really good. No, I don't know how you know that, but 
don't know. I've heard him play those harmonica and other ones. Okay, fair enough. Okay. What would you think about those? Uh, harmonica intro. It's good. It's got a good bass line in it. It's got a harmonica solo in it, funny enough. I think it would have done. I, I don't mind the harmonica. I just would have liked to hear a little more guitar mis- mixed in this song. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's, you know, it's a decent song. It's, you know, good album filler. So that moves us to the next song, Till There Was You. Now, this song is a cover on here, which, you know, the first few albums did have some mm-hmm. covers on them. It was written yeah. by Meredith Wilson and was actually a top 40 hit for Anita Bryant way back in 1959, four years previous to this album. Mm-hmm. This song is sang by Paul McCartney. It was released in the U.S. on the Beatles' second album. I really think this is a song that shows the Beatles' versatility, even this early as a band, is that they were willing to release rockers and then release something like this because this wasn't a song that a rock and roll band would release. No, not by any means. And I think that showed their bravery to show that, hey, we're into all kinds of different music. What are your thoughts on Till There Was You? This is a very simplistic and raw sound. Once again, this is early Beatles stuff. They've taken this song and made it Beatles. And I really appreciate the work that they've done with that. It sounds really good. Yeah, this uh, song, the way it's written, this sounds more like 1950s Rogers and Hammerstein's show tunes sort of thing, right? It does. That's yeah. why I think it was very brave of them to put something like this on the mm-hmm. album. Yeah, the, they do. The, they do an excellent job. And, uh, you know, they take a song that I wouldn't necessarily like, and they put their Beatles spin on it, and I enjoyed it. What do you think? I shouldn't like this song yeah. I mean, because the kind of music I like is guitar driven and whatever, but the Beatles break all the rules for me. And I think it's a pretty song and it shouldn't fit in with the Beatles, but that's what makes things the Beatles is that it shouldn't. It, you know, it's got Ringo playing bongos on it and a pretty acoustic guitar. And it's got a nice little acoustic guitar uh, solo over it. But other than that, it's pretty much an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. bongos and Paul's vocal. And I think it, it's weird. It's strange. I think show tune, like you said, 50 mm-hmm. show tune, that sounds right, but it somehow fits with the Beatles and it's become one of my, I mean, it's a song I really enjoy mm-hmm. of their early stuff. I really do. And I, I shouldn't, but I do. I think, I, I think you hit it on the head. It's the acoustics that make it sound so simplistic and raw to me. Yeah. It's very yeah. clean sounding song mm-hmm. too. the way it's the way it's mastered, the way it was recorded yeah. is very clean. And I like that kind of mm-hmm. like Paul's grandpa. Yeah. Which we definitely need more of Paul's grandpa in this world. Correct. So that moves us on to the last song on side one, Please Mr. Postman. Another cover song. Now this was written by, follow me here, Brian Holland, Robert Bateman, Freddie Gorman, William Garrett, and Georgia Dobbins. Five. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I don't know if they all got in their group together or how they <laughs> that's did a that. Collaboration. That's kind of strange, but it was sang by John Lennon. It's the first Motown song to reach number one position on the Billboard Top 100 charts by the marvelettes in 1961 it actually also hit number one again in 1975 when the carpenters covered it and this is another song to me and i wrote this as a note that shows the beatles versatility early as a group because this is kind of off bar a little bit too for them shows their interest in girl groups and their songs they sang and they had influences from all over the place now this song was released in the u.s on the beatles second album what are your thoughts on Please, Mr. Postman? Uh, this is very much like a, a sock hop rock, if uh, there's such a word. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is sort of uh, music they play down at the diner while you're having milkshakes or the malts. 
this is where I wrote down the note that this band plays flawlessly together and they are perfect on their respective instruments and harmonies. This is a song that's very heavily with backup harmony and um, with backup singers and they do it very well. They sound really good together. This whole, this whole group. I didn't really expect that coming from the Beatles, but I don't know why I didn't expect it because Boy, these guys have been playing in in clubs for their whole time. So this is where they this is their wheelhouse, and I didn't really think of it as their wheelhouse. What was your thoughts? Well, this is another song, just kind of like "Till There Was You," that really shouldn't fit the Beatles, but mm-hmm. when they play it, it does. Like you said, it's a malt shop song, but it's but it fits early Beatles and it, it mm-hmm. rocks at the same time, you know, yeah. they just simply did justice to it. It's, it's another song that's got an amazing bass line by McCartney to it. It's, I really like Lennon's vocal in this one. Again, it's one of my favorite vocals of his on this album. I like his vocal when it gets strained. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. And I thought the drumming in it was strong. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a cover, but for me, you know, I've, I've heard the Marvelettes version of it and it's just a completely different song. Yeah, You know, the Beatles made this one their own. And, you know, for years and years, I didn't know there was another version of it. It just fits. And I think they did an excellent job on it. I think that we're starting to see the seedlings growing of that experimenting with different sounds in this album. Something that you're going to see a lot more with later Beatles albums. Well, and the thing with the Beatles is all the bands at the time were, a lot of them were doing all covers. You look at the Stones' first mm-hmm. few albums, they were all covers. And the Beatles, even though their first couple albums, they had a few covers, they quickly got away from that and went straight mm-hmm. to original compositions. And they were kind of one of the first bands to lead that. And so it's good to hear these, but I like when the Beatles got into their mm-hmm. originals. Yeah, so when this is something that you see them take other songs that that don't fit your typical Beatles uh, stuff, and they make it their own. You want to get to side two? Yep, flip it. Side two. Okay, so side two opens up with a Chuck Berry original, Roll Over Beethoven, another one of the Beatles' uh, influences. Now, mm-hmm. this song reached number 29 for Chuck Berry way back in 1956, so seven years previous to this mm-hmm. album. Now, this one on this album is sang by George Harrison, the second song he sings on the album. It was released in the U.S. on the Beatles' second album. It was not released in the U.S. as a single, but the Canadian single reached number two in Canada. And that same Canadian single, because Americans were going to get it, reached number 68 in the U.S. charts once again. People jump on the fence to get this, the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> and this is this is a song that's considered a long-time standard. I think everybody's heard Roll Over Beethoven in one version or another. Yeah. It's been covered by more artists than can be named. What are your thoughts on this version of Roll Over Beethoven? People must have really gotten tickled by this song because uh, it, it blows me away that you've got uh, songs that weren't released in the U.S. that are charting in the U.S., Sure, number 68, I mean, on 1 to 100, but still, then what for not being released in the U.S., that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't released in the U.S. There's no radio play. People had to go buy the single. Yeah. Out of Canada. Uh-huh. So people were running up to Canada, buying the singles, and then bring, or, uh, bringing the records down and, and selling them to all their friends. Yeah, I mean, I think that's after I saw her standing there hit and the Beatles released Meet the Beatles and... Mm-hmm. The Beatles' second album, and they, 
Beatlemania was in full bore. So I think anybody getting their hands on anything Beatles at mm-hmm. the time than they could was important and i think then after that all the british invasion you know Mm -hmm. it's just let's devour all of this the song itself i'm not a big fan of i just don't really get it it seems like it's just i I don't know what the song has to do with beethoven hey i mean i'm also somebody that grew up with uh, beethoven being a big saint bernard um not my cup of tea but what were your what did you think about this one I like the song All Right by Chuck Berry, but it is a mid-50s song, and it sounds that way mm-hmm. still. But I, but I get the point because these guys were heavily influenced by it. I think it's got a great guitar intro by George. Mm-hmm. I think they do justice to it, and I like this version a lot better than Chuck Berry's version. Wow. Um, I think George has got an amazing vocal on this. It's got another great bass line by McCartney. It's got great guitar licks, and it pretty much rocks throughout. I mean, it's nothing special to me, but if you take in in account for what it is, I mean, you're talking, this is a mid fifties song, you know, mm-hmm. seven, eight years later after it was released being covered and things had changed a lot by then. I think George and the Beatles did good justice to it. And it's a good song. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. They did justice to it. It's very much a Chuck Berry style rock and roll though. Yeah. Which once again, Chuck Berry, he's a, he's an excellent artist. He's just not my cup of tea. So that moves us to the next one. It's another original composition by Lennon McCartney, Hold Me Tight. It's primarily composed by McCartney, and it's sang by Paul McCartney. This was initially a song that was recorded and supposed to be on their debut album, Please Please Me, but they were not happy with the recordings, and it just didn't Mm -hmm. make its way on there, so they re-recorded it for With the Beatles. It's been said by both Lennon and McCartney that both of them dislike this song. Looking back at it, they don't care for the song and mm-hmm. they think it was just album filler or something they come up with right away. What are your thoughts of Hold Me Tight? That makes a lot of sense to me. This isn't a great song. I'm not a big fan of this one. I just feel like it sounded weird to each their own. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, as a Beatles fan, even some of the songs I don't like as much, I still like them. It's kind of hard for me to explain because even some of the songs when I was younger, I didn't like, I find myself listening to them more. There's very few Beatles songs I skip when mm-hmm. I listen to them. And I like listening to the Beatles as albums. Yeah, you do. And this one, I think where it's placed on the album is an excellent palate cleanser because coming off of uh, rollover Beethoven going into this one, this is, you know, this will certainly change. Yeah. I thought up. this song had a pretty heavy guitar sound in it for the time. If you really mm-hmm. listen to the guitar, the guitar is pretty heavy and it's got a decent bass line, not the best one on the album. The drums are really lost in the mix on this one. And it's almost, I don't know if it was mixed poor or it's just the way it was recorded. I don't know. It's its an it, okay song. It it's just a, sounded weird to me. Yeah, it's good album filler. I still listen to it. I enjoy the song. I'm not going to skip it. And there's not even really worth skipping some of these songs. They're only two minutes long anyways. So. Mm-hmm. So that moves us on to the next song, which is another cover. It's a Smokey Robinson song. You really got a hold on me. Now, this one is actually a duet, basically, between John Lennon and George Harrison. They sing this together. This was released in the U.S. on the Beatles' second album. This features George Martin, their producer, on piano. This is the very longest song on the album, clocking in at three minutes and one second. So I hope you have the time for this one. Uh, They must not have had any homework to run home to and do after this uh, because they stretched it out to three minutes and one second. Yep. (laughs) What's your feelings on You Really Got a Hold on Me? This song, the timing on it is very noticeable. 
because it's almost like the ticking of a clock, like pendulum clock swinging back and forth or a metronome. Just it's so noticeable to me. That being said, it's a nice song. Uh, Smokey Robinson, good writing. And uh, John and George, excellent on vocals. And uh, this George Martin, I even picked up the piano a little bit in there. I didn't, uh, it, it's not overpowering. The piano is there as a support instrument. And I respect that. What did you think about this one? Yeah, the piano actually kicks it off as the intro, but it quickly kicks into guitar. Mm-hmm. It's It's another song that I think is strengthened by its great harmonies. The bass is mixed very well in this song, and up front you can hear it. Once again, though, the drums are kind of in the back and tinny, but what you can hear, I'm not being critical of Ringo because I think he's an amazing drum player. It's just kind of the mix and kind of the time. They were a little tinny and not mixed very well. But I love in this, once again, where Lennon strains his vocal, and this is another one where I thought his voice is kind of haunting when he gets into that straining, and it Mm -hmm. kind of foreshadows what's to come in his later years. But (laughs) I, I I love Lennon's vocal. Yeah, I thought it was a good song. You know, I, I'm i probably a little partial to the Beatles. I do like it better than Smokey Robinson and the Miracles version. But it just sounds like a more updated version, you know, and maybe yeah. a little heavier. Even though it's not a heavy song, it just sounds better to me. So that moves us on to another Lennon-McCartney composition, I Want to Be Your Man. Now, this one is sang by Ringo Starr. This is the one they decided to let him sing. So now we've got all four Beatles singing on this album. This is a song the Beatles let the Rolling Stones record first. So it's written by Lennon-McCartney, but the Rolling Stones released it first, and it hit number 12 in the UK charts. Wow. The Beatles did not release this as a single. This one was on the Meet the Beatles album in the U.S. What are your thoughts on Ringo, I Want to Be Your Man? This sounds like the song they should have written for Ringo. It even showcases the drums uh, better. The song that they wrote for him, Little Child, I was struggling to find what that had to do with Ringo. But this one, this sounds like uh, Ringo's song. And it's a, it's a nice little love song that's, uh, you know, pining away for this girl, the, you know, just being starstruck in love with her. Once again, the the, the drums are, are pretty heavy in this, and I like, I like that. I'm shocked that they uh, gave it away to the Rolling Stones, but hey, you know, good for them. This is an excellent Beatles song. What did you think about this one? Well, the Rolling Stones version, this is a, kind of one of those things where I like them equally because they are completely different songs. And anytime Ringo sings a song, generally when you get into later songs like Yellow Submarine or mm-hmm. Octopus's Garden, it's kind of a themey, funny type of song for Ringo. Yeah. So this this was kind of interesting. It would have been interesting to hear Lennon or McCartney sing this song and see how it would have turned out. But I do like the Rolling Stones version is equally. And I think you kind of hit it on the head when you said that the drums are good in this. This is the best sounding rhythm track mm-hmm. on this album, I think. It's a pretty fast-moving song. It's got good bass. It's got a decent guitar solo in the middle by George. And it's a pretty decent song all the way around. I think it was a good way to introduce Ringo onto this album, and mm-hmm. I thought it they did a good job with it. Yeah, I think so, too. So it moves us to the next song, Devil in Her Heart. This is another cover song. It is written by Richard Drapkin. This one is another song sang by George Harrison. Of course, you have Lennon and McCartney on the harmonies on this, so it's kind of all three of them, really. And this was originally recorded and released in the U.S. by the band The Dones, who I honestly haven't heard of. What are your thoughts on Devil in Her Heart? Um, I also haven't heard of The Dones, but uh, 
this song, Devil in Her Heart, has a really good, strong bass line. I got a big kick out of this song. It was uh, fun to listen to. Um, seems like the girl seems like an angel, but she will tear you up. And uh, yeah, the, she's got the devil in her heart. So watch out. George is giving you a cautionary tale here. Yes, he is. Yeah, and great song. Great Beatles. Uh, you know, this this one fits the album nicely, I think. What did you think? Well, going from I Want to Be Your Man, which was a pretty fast-moving, upbeat song, this is a little slower, <laughs> less upbeat song. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that I wrote that you just said is it's got a really good bass line. It's mm-hmm. mixed to the front and sticks out more than anything on this song. It's got good little guitar licks throughout. I mean, George Harrison's vocal is okay in it. You know, I don't think it's his best, but it's yeah. a decent song. It's a good album filler on it, and I, I enjoy listening to the song. So it moves on to Not a Second Time, another Lennon-McCartney composition, mainly written by John Lennon, sang by John Lennon. This song was released on Meet the Beatles in the U.S. Now this is another song George Martin plays piano on. And this is the first track not to have George Harrison on it at all. Was he in timeout? I don't know. He must have been. He must have been tired from the previous song. I guess so. Really took it out of him. What are your thoughts on Not a Second Time? I'll tell you, this is a song about a turbulent love affair. The The boy has learned his lesson, though, and he's not going to allow her to do it a second time. He isn't. Yeah, she can come around again, but he's not going to fall for it because he's already been burned once. It, it, it's another great uh, Beatles. You know, George Martin just might be the fifth Beatle there on the piano. So uh, what did you think about that? If I was to pick a song... On the album that I like the least, this is probably going to be it. All right. I didn't like the piano on this song. I, I think it should have been guitar. It just didn't really fill in. To me, this is the one song I can call true album filler. Yeah. It, it's got a decent vocal. The drums are actually decent in this one, but nothing really sticks out to me on this one. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. decent song. I listen yeah. to it, but it's not one of my favorites. So that moves us on to the last song on the album, which is another cover written by Barry Gordy and Janie Bradford. Money, that's what I want. Sang by John Lennon, of course. This was first recorded by Barrett Strong for Motown Records in 1959, and it's another song that once again features George Martin on piano. What are your thoughts on Money? Um, Excellent message. This is a very Motown-sounding song, especially with the backup singers. The Beatles have taken a a song that's very different from their wheelhouse, and made it theirs uh they owned it and it was great song starts off the best things in life are free except for you know we have to have a house which means you gotta pay the mortgage and you can't really pay that with love or anything you have to pay for it with money that's what i want that's what the bank wants too that's what the bill collectors want this uh this song is it it should strike a chord with everybody we all need money right but I, I like the way that the Beatles have taken the song and put the, the Beatles spin on it and, and put the Beatles sound into it. What do you what do you think about this one? Well, unlike the previous song that he didn't like the piano on, I love the piano intro into the heavy guitars on this. It's mm-hmm. about as heavy as the guitars were getting for the Beatles at the time. Yeah. And this is my favorite Lennon vocal on the album. I love his vocals on this song. It's got a great mm-hmm. bass line on it. It's probably the second or tied for the first best song on the album as far as drums are concerned. I think the drums are very good in this, good guitar work. It's a rocking song. Mm-hmm. You're right. It is a very Motown-sounding song with them singing the backups and things, but it rocks too. And 
Lennon strains his vocal, and I always enjoy when he strains his vocal. You get kind of that live feeling sound, and I just really enjoy this song. It's a good way to do it, and I don't generally like covers as much, but I take it for what it was at the time all the bands were doing covers. Beatles probably mm-hmm. less than anyone, honestly. So that ends out with the Beatles. Do you want to get to winners and losers? Yep, let's line them up. Winners and losers. Well, Tyler, like always, you're going to go first. Why don't you give me your two or three, whatever you choose, least favorite songs on this album? Okay, so I'm going to go with Rollover Beethoven for least favorite, just because it the writing of it lacks substance for me, and it's overdone. I'm, it's just not my song. My second least favorite, I'm going to say, is Hold Me Tight. Like I said, it just sounded weird. I, I didn't like that one. What are your least favorites? Uh, probably my two least favorites are Not a Second Time and Little Child. Mm-hmm. I like both songs, their album filler, mm-hmm. but if I had to pick two least favorites on this album, those would be it. So what are your favorites on this album? So the favorites, um, barring the singles, of course, going with All My Loving. I really love that guitar strumming in it. And Don't Bother Me. So they're right back to back. And I just feel like Don't Bother Me had a very progressive sound to it. I didn't expect from George Harrison, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, What are your favorite? Well, because it's our show and I can, I'm going to pick four. Have at it. The very last song on the album, Money. I love that song. And I generally wouldn't pick a cover, but I had to throw that in as kind of an honorable mention. It's because it's what you want. Well, exactly. It's what I want. All I've got to do. I love that song. I, mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed the song and I shouldn't because of what it is. But it, my number one song on this album is All My Loving, without a doubt. But probably close second to that is Till There Was You. It's so different and it, it shouldn't be on this album. It shouldn't be a Beatles song. It shouldn't be something I like. But for me, the Beatles break all those rules mm-hmm. and it works for me. And I'm pretty biased when it comes to the Beatles. There's only a couple Beatles songs in their whole catalog that I do skip. So for me, it's tough. There you go, buddy. (laughs) But that's a ways away before we get to that album. Yeah. So do you want to get to the album rating? Yep, let's rate it. Album rating. Okay, so the rating system, if this is your first time listening... We go on a scale of 0 to 10, um, 0 being the worst, and we ha- we can't stand this album, we have to burn it. 10 being it's such an awesome album, it's so perfect that I'm going to go out and buy it. 5 being smack dab in the middle, give or take, right? We've had a couple of uh, reviews on this podcast on both sides of the spectrum, and so this one, are you ready to give this rating? Let's I'm, do it. I'm giving it a 7, because I feel like there's not... There's a few songs in there that don't quite have it together for me, and so it brings it down a peg or two. But there's also enough really excellent Beatles, the Beatles that everybody falls in love with, the Beatles that everybody enjoys, that whole Beatlemania in this album, that that brings it up to a seven. So it's a real solid seven for me. Where are you at? This is a tough one for me because when when you're comparing even Beatles to Beatles, the early stuff, you've got to put yourself in that time and realize what it is. You know, you're not comparing this with Let It Be or Abbey Road or the White Album or something. It's just a whole different thing, a whole different time. Only a few years apart, but music had changed so much by then. Not only the music, the attitudes, the the recording process, the recording. You're following the, the Beatles on their journey. 
Right? Well, and it, it it's not just that, but the recording, the technology that yeah. come into play and stuff that made the recording so much better that it seemed like it was years apart. We look at the Beatles in 63 here to the Beatles in 70, and you think it's so different sounding and so worlds mm-hmm. apart, and it was only seven years, right? Yeah. But for me, how much this album has influenced me, as all of theirs have, and where this was leading, I have to give it a solid eight. Right on. And, you know, some days I may be down around a seven because some of the songs aren't as, it's hard to say they're not as powerful as later songs, but they're mm-hmm. just as powerful as far as what they mean to the Beatles' career and their trajectory. And, but there's other days I'd give it a 10 too. So, mm-hmm. but honestly speaking, probably a solid eight. I gotta say that, you know, the, my giving it a seven, I think there's only one song that's not a cover on there that drags it, that drags the Beatles down. The rest of their songs that they wrote themselves are just top notch. I agree, but they did mm-hmm. really good justice to most of the covers as Boy, well. Boy, they sure did, didn't they? Certainly mm-hmm. made them their own. Yes, they did. We are gonna miss the Beatles <laughs> because. You know, they're starting, they're, these guys are getting old, the ones that are still around. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I just saw Ringo Starr and his all-star band a couple months mm-hmm. ago, and Paul is touring again. I'm hoping to get out and see him one more time for the third time. So I hope so. But that's the Beatles' second studio album as they meant it to be released with the Beatles. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you think we're complete idiots, you agree, disagree, whatever, send us an email to classicvinylpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to us. Till next time, bye. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Vinyl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Classic Vinyl Podcast for updates and also share us with your music-loving friends. 